Wedgwood Christian Services is a place where hope and healing meet. Join me, Hillary Kirkendall, Wedgwood's Marketing and Communications Coordinator, as I sit down for conversations with the amazing people who work at, learn from, and grow through our grace-filled residential care, counseling services, and community programs. Grab your cup of coffee or tea and enjoy experts sharing their insights on the challenges people are facing and stories of hope, healing, and transformation. These are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations. Recently, Wedgwood hosted our annual State of the Child panel conversation, an event that brings together local teens and community experts to dive into the toughest challenges facing kids and families today. Topics covered at this year's event include mental health, trauma, substance use, life online, and healthy relationships. Each topic was kicked off with a pre-recorded interview with local teens. Then our panel of experts, moderated by ABC4 West Michigan's Miranda, responded to the teens' honest insights and shared their expertise. This year's panel of experts included Dr. Lisa Lowry, who is the Section Chief for Adolescent and Young Adult Medicine at Spectrum Health, Kaylee Jackson, a residential therapist here at Wedgwood, Chris Becker, the Kent County Prosecuting Attorney, Carrie Schulte, who is a Recovery Services Clinical Supervisor here at Wedgwood, and Kevin Polston, who is the Superintendent for Kentwood Public Schools. Healthy relationships with parents, friends, and even romantic partners are really important for kids. In today's Coffee Break conversation, our teens and experts talk about relationships, trust, boundaries, and conflict resolution, and the role that they play in the well-being of kids. Unhealthy friends are people who will try to get things out of you, but not give in return. You're giving so much, and they're just taking and taking and taking, and you feel like you have to do certain things to impress them. Like, I've had this for sure, and it's like, you're just like, you'll hang out with them and you're just like drained after because it's like, I just, I feel like I'm just like giving so much of myself and I'm being this person that just like isn't me. What do you want out of that relationship and what do you want to get from it? Are you just in the relationship to be in a relationship? Are you there to make a long time friend or partner? Are you there for the fun of it? Like there are certain things that you would want to put into that relationship and certain things that you don't. If I show my grandma this picture on my camera roll, and I hand you the phone to look at it, that does not mean go scrolling through my other photos. Because like, and if I try to take my phone back, that doesn't mean I'm hiding something, that means I just don't want you going through all my photos. Poking and prodding isn't gonna get the answer that they want because my parents sometimes like poke and prod and I'm like, no, that's not what I want. Like, um, if there's a problem and there's like a, a healthy parent, parent-child relationship, like, the, we will come to our parents and we'll say, this is what I'm dealing with, like, I need help, or like, can you give me advice? But if parents like pry too much, I feel like that makes us feel like we need to keep it closed because we can't come to them to talk and stuff like that. I have a couple of friends who are um, in on and off relationships and a lot of the times it is toxic relationships and I'm just like, you can't be doing that, that's not good for you, that's not good for them, and that's not good for the people around you. Like communication, is key when people say that they're not lying. Like communication is key. Communication, trust, loyalty, stuff like that, that's gonna make it in the long run. And some people think that one small argument is being toxic, that's just relationships. I wanna start with you, Kaylee. Um, 
the students we chatted with and when you just talk with kids, they want trust, they want connection, and they want privacy in their relationships. Any of that concern you? I think part of it can be concerning if you're not able to tap in, if you're not able to build rapport and understand why they need that trust. I think everybody needs trust. I think everyone needs a sense of privacy to feel secure and safe in their life. And so I think that that's valid and isn't concerning to an extent because who doesn't want to feel safe in their self and safe in their secrets? You don't want everyone to know your deepest things. But I really like that the youth talked about trust, connection, and rapport with their parents. That's the biggest thing. Your parents are going to know the warning signs before anyone else does when it comes to mental health, substance abuse, trauma, all of the topics we've talked about today. So if you have that rapport and that relationship with your mom or dad or that figure, they're going to see those signs and be able to ask you about it. It starts with validation. So saying to you, hey, I noticed that today was a rougher day. Do you want to talk to someone about it? Not assuming they want to talk to you, not putting yourself in the position to assume you're the safe person, but giving them an option like, hey, I noticed that you're not doing well can I get you someone to talk to? Because you need it. And then, Kevin, good and bad relationships. Um, it plays out in how a kid behaves. What are you seeing in schools? Yeah, so teaching you know, healthy relationships and having adults model that, and, and also what a good friend is and what your role is in, in reciprocal you know, for that. And so you know, to add... You know, I'll start with you know the negative side of that. We've seen things like human trafficking, you know, increase. These are relationships that kids have that can be dependent relationships, and and if adults aren't having clear lines of communication or even aware of this type of phenomena, that if your your child is going to spend the night with someone that you may not know, or they say they're going someplace and and you you don't verify that, all the things that we you know used to do at least growing up is you know like call the parent to talk to him before your your child goes over there. You know, those are all things that we should still be doing. Meet the other family before your child goes over there. Those are those are all healthy things. And then on the on the positive side of that is looking at where are those healthy relationships that they you know describe. If it's the constant roller coaster or dependent relationships, whether it's you know like in a you know a child or a, a student is is dating someone or whether it's with a friendship, it's it's helping them identify those key you know values. How do you want to be treated? by other people. Well, guess what? Other people want those same things. And so that's the person that you have to be to others if you want that and reciprocal because oftentimes what you put out is what you get back from friendships and in the behaviors that you put out there may isolate you because there are folks who aren't looking for those type of things. So how can we teach that? But I also want to be cautious that we're we're, and, I, and I appreciate that you, you said earlier that we're not, these kids aren't empty vessels. They have strengths. They are resilient. Um, like all of us, they have flaws, but that isn't a, a sentence of who they are. You know, they're malleable. And the brain isn't fully developed until we're in our 20s. You know, so again, as our community, let's take ownership of raising our children. So Chris, in the courtrooms, are you doing that? Are you talking to students and young people about the relationships they have and how that impacts their behavior? I think that's one of the biggest things is, is so many times you hear from parents when a, a child gets involved in the criminal justice system as a juvenile is they were a good kid until they got in the wrong crowd. And you know the, that is something we try and talk about, and especially I think the probation officers really emphasize is in terms of, okay, you've made a mistake. How can you affect that? And part of that is, 
Who are you going to hang out with? What are you going to do to change that? But that's very hard. I mean, that, that's a hard thing to do because usually they, they may have been involved in that family or that neighborhood or whatever these people are uh, for a long time and trying to break those cycles, uh, just think as adults, you know, breaking a cycle of friendship or some of you kind of get in your habit of seeing all the time. It's difficult. It's, it's easier said than done. So, Carrie, how do we create healthy boundaries? Yeah, I think we model them as adults. Um, so I know a lot of times when, like, parents get into a fight, they will make up later. You know, like, after the kids go to bed, like, oh, we'll talk about this later. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that you can do for your kids is to model how to make up after an argument or model how to resolve that conflict. Um, I saw a study where kids were going to school after they witnessed a parent argument, and the stress proteins in the student the next day were higher. Um, at, after, ex, except for when they got to see the resolution because kids don't know that you made up later. And so I think modeling those healthy boundaries is one of the most important things that you can do for students. Really good advice because we don't see the beginning, the middle, and the end, and that's yeah. important. Kids usually see the beginning and the middle, but they hardly ever get to see the resolution. So Dr. Lowry, I know you could talk about relationships all day um, because it's such an important part of childhood development. What advice would you give us in the room when it comes to our kids in relationships, whether it's family, whether it's interpersonal, with our peers? Well, like my panelist said, it's ongoing and modeling it, knowing where your child is, all those things. A lot of times one of the things parents say, well, they don't talk to me. Uh, and, I, and I always tell the parent, I said, I get it, but did you tell your mama everything that you were doing? And then I said, give them their space. But also, it's not a one-and-done conversation. You say, hey, I'm here. If you need me, let's talk about it. Um, and then, and it might be 1 o'clock in the morning. I had one mom said, yeah, I opened the space. And you know what? She texted me at 1 o'clock in the morning and said, mom, can we talk? And she said, I said yes. And we, she came in the room and we had a conversation. But just opening that space and having that ongoing conversation and showing that you care um, and, and realize. And the other thing I tell parents and, and adults is you don't have to go and, well, when I was your age and tell your war and peace story, you don't have to do that. That's not what you have to do. But say, you know, I made some mistakes, but, you know, but this is, these are some things that work for me. And, and modeling that resiliency. Um, and, and realize that our, one of the joys of my job is that I get to see them go through teenagerdom and come out on the other side. And they're overall, yes, we can all tell, we were earlier chatting, and we can all tell these, I don't want to say horrible stories, but ch these challenging stories. But I, get, I think for every challenging story, we can probably tell 80 stories of resiliency and how that teenager um, and that family turned out. And so knowing but being a community and being a been and, and, and that's what I think we have to do for our families and for ourselves and give our, the other thing is give ourselves grace um, in, the, in this trying time. Um, and the other thing we have to do is take care of yourself as a parent, as a as a mentor and because our teenagers they're looking at how you're handling that situation and so all those things we need to do to um, just have have better spaces and better lives. Kevin I think about school and I think relationships play a big piece in conflict 
And how do you deal with that? And how can we learn from what you're doing and maybe implement it in our organizations? So one of the focuses that we've had is, you know, restorative practices. And so we've done it with families. We've done it with students. And, and so, for instance, uh, we had a situation where two kindergartners were having conflict and then the parents uh, got involved because, you know, they're looking after their kids. And we said, how about we just have a conversation and to better understand? And then once the families started talking to each other about why is this child hands-on and, and what's going on? It's, it's really not personal toward the child. It's that child expressing his needs were unmet. And so getting attention was what he was seeking because of different you know, life factors. And so for those parents and those children to sit with a counselor, a principal, and have that type of conversation, those are skills that if we can teach at a young age that they'll build you know, throughout you know, their adulthood. And, and, I'll, and I'll give an, another example. In, in sports, there was some discussion about ending the handshake line after a game because we, we can't handle um, congratulating someone after we've lost. Failure has to be a part of who we are and how we teach how to respond to that. And you, we can compete hard or we can do our best, and sometimes it's not enough. That doesn't mean that we didn't get better. It's how do we bounce back from that, and how can we make sure that kids know that that's just part of our life lessons of growing and learning and making sure that those are reinforced as positive attributes, not as negatives. And I think, again, it's just our values and our actions. Are they in alignment? And we're doing the same thing in the criminal justice system. We're picking up restorative. We started a restorative justice program for juveniles uh, for the same reasons in terms of, yeah, incarceration is not always the answer in terms of educating and trying to get people beyond uh, whatever brought them that conflict. And so we've had some success in terms of, you know, getting victims and, you know, defendants together and in, in, uh, using the West Michigan uh, Dispute Resolution Center and trying to, to solve those problems to maybe create, you know, long term. How do we keep this person out of the criminal justice system going forward and change those behaviors at that point in time with restorative justice has been very important. And I will say schools are critical to keeping people out of the criminal justice system. If we can do a great job at schools, we know we can cut off that school-to-prison pipeline. What are you seeing that works? Anybody? When it comes to students in conflict, I mean, you're talking about a particular program. Some of us may not be aware of that. What's working in that program? Well, I think just it, the restorative justice, the whole idea is trying to get both sides to understand. You know, you, you have, I think there is greater understanding when, you know, a lot of times victims are, why? Why did this happen to me? And so they get a, you know, they get a chance to talk and ask those questions to the offender. And the, they get a greater understanding of maybe the, the life circumstances, uh, where that offender's coming from as well. And that, and they, it gives a greater voice to the victim in terms of they come up with a, an agreement, which is really unheard of in the criminal justice system because usually it's the judge imposing saying, thou shall do this where maybe the victim wants something different. So I, I think it's very empowering for both sides to provide that education and knowledge and, and maybe change behaviors when you have much more of a personal stake and a personal impact when you have that kind of a contact between the two parties. I think proactive measures are key, um, making sure that we're remaining aware of the warning signs before it actually happens. As I stated earlier, parents and guardians, they know best. And so you know when you're seeing someone getting amped up and when you can jump in before it hits moment of crisis. I think the other piece of proactive measures is having that community support networks, having those access to the programs that our gentlemen are talking about, having access to more community activities so that they can see more healthy relationships role modeled. A parent's relationship is the first relationship that 
that a, a youth knows, but then there's way more out there. And so being able to give them more access to learn the different types of relationships you can hold, professional in the community, not just a relationship and as a parent. So much of kids' development and growth is tied to healthy relationships. As Kaylee shared, everyone needs trust and to feel safe and secure. And Chris and Kevin noted how this can play out when kids don't feel heard or valued. The key theme from our panelists seemed to be open communication and modeling healthy relationships for and with kids. Next week, in our last State of the Child Coffee Break conversation, our panel of experts will share their advice for community members on how to best support kids. Special thanks to our Teen Charge students, our panel of experts, Miranda, Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park, Lumbermans, and our event sponsors for making this series possible. Wedgwood Christian Services is committed to extending God's love and providing exceptional care and support. Head on over to wedgwood.org, that's W-E-D-G-W-O-O-D.org, to learn more about how you can get connected to services, support Wedgwood's mission, or join our team. Connect with us on social media at WedgwoodCS or send us an email at hello at wedgwood.org. We would love to be a part of your story. Until next time, these are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations.